Yeah. So do your kids listen to this podcast? They don't. Uh, Eventually they'll find it. They will. Yeah, it'll be a little treat for them one day. <laughs> or <Hopefully>. not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to the China episode, where we're going to take down the Empire. Not quite. Not quite. Also, <laughs> Fantasy Movie Awards are back. What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. And for the first time, inside a bright rectangle of office. Mint-colored. Nice and... It's a nice office, Jake. Well, I have to do. say. I it's, I'll that. give you props for it. It's a very nice office. Yeah. I'm, We're I'm, sort of like a traveling podcast, really. <laughs> that's right, we are. You know, we've done this in so many different locations. We've done it in your office now. We've done it in my office. We've done it in an actual studio. Yep. We've done it in a semi-studio. We've done it in the car. That's right. That actually, if you jumped in at the wrong point in that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it sound really terrible. Yeah, you clip out the first part of that, and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. you got a Beatles yeah. song that... Nobody that wants you to don't want, yeah. yeah. We'll move but, on. But, uh, yeah, and, and that's fitting for this episode where we're tackling a movie that I innocently thought was just a bad movie, but turns out to be a, a pretty considerable piece of Chinese government propaganda um, <laughs> called China Salesman. I was, I was ready to move there because clearly they know what's up. They got it. They, they, they know what's going on. They know what's going on. They know telecommunications. They know Africa. They know it all. And they know about the West's evil. The West's evil. And they know we need to escape the, the evil West. So uh, we're, we're bringing back Hurts So Good to tackle Steven Seagal and, and, Mike, and Tyson. Mike Tyson in China Salesman. But we're also we're also coming back to the sophomore season of the Pop Culture with Fanboy Know It All Fantasy Movie Awards Season League. Right. And the draft is today. The draft. I'm so excited. Yeah. So we're going to be doing that really, as well. Jake, our fantasy football has not gone very well this year. Paul and I's fantasy football for he and I in particular in yeah. this league has 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 been terrible. It's been terrible, awful. So we definitely need something to distract so, us. So uh, you know, but the problem is, and is that last year when we did the fantasy movie awards, um, I, in my true know it all form, got I thought I had just had these ringers, but I but what I realized after the draft was I went out on a limb on a bunch of dark horses. And it did not pay off. And so here is me officially conceding the world championship in the inaugural season. Thank you. Of the Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know It All Fantasy Movie Awards season league. (laughs) (laughs) To Paul. Paul, um, I scored 46 points. And later on, we'll I'll re-explain when we do our draft. scoring system, all that kind of stuff. But I scored 46 points between my five draft picks. Um, my best being Black Panther, which pulled in 22 points all on its own. <laughs> um, uh, but, Paul, you scored 137 points. It was. To it my was, 46. Yeah. It felt like the, the Patriots versus the Dolphins. It, it absolutely did. <laughs> the scoring margin I mean, was I, I hate exactly to compare that. myself to the Patriots yeah. because they're heinous. But. Your highest performing flick was actually your number two pick of the draft. 
which is true for both of us. Like Black Panther was my second pick in the draft. What was your first pick? My first pick was First Man, oh. which got 20 points, so it wasn't far behind right. Black Panther. But um, your second pick was 45 points, so your second pick would have narrowly lost to my entire <laughs> five. <laughs> 45 to 46. Uh, your second pick was The Favorite. Oh, The Favorite. Which just shows how big of a sinner you are. I know. Um, I know. Yeah. It's a little like... Uh, so it's like you won. It's a little like drafting Antonio Brown. It cost your soul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in a close second behind that was your number one pick, A Star is Born, which pulled in 35 points. Then your fourth pick, all the way to back uh, there, Green Book got 32 points. So. Yeah, Green Book wound up doing pretty well in the awards. Yeah, controversially um, so. Yep my my uh, worst pick of the draft was Mortal Engines. <laughs> I, it, I here's the thing: Mortal <laughs> Engines was a bad movie, and I I knew that going in. I didn't well, I didn't know how bad it would be, but I thought it was going to get like I thought it was going to get like maybe all these nominations for Oscars for right. like costume design and. And all like this, all this cinematography and yeah. soundtrack, you know, and special, sound, effects. special effects. I thought it might be one of those because it was Peter Jackson, and he's gotten that stuff before. Well, it's true, it's true. But I did think, as you were picking it, I did have to stifle a giggle. <laughs> I thought, I think I've got. So this, this year, I, I doubled down. I did way more research into the wee hours of the morning. Oh, did you really? I didn't do any research. So I'm, I'm my, hoping <laughs> this is my comeback here. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not feeling as happy about this anymore. Do you want to postpone? Are, are you interested? No, in I'm postpone? good. I'm ready to go. Uh, I mean, I, all my wee hours were literally this morning. <laughs> after I finished China Salesman, did you watch China Salesman that late? I I, I did because like my wife was like, I'm going to go to bed early. I got home from she wasn't feeling well. I got home from church with the kids, and I find and then I told her I was going to watch it. And she's like, that's fine. I'm going to bed early. I'm not feeling well. But I come home to find, you know, late from church, uh, and I find that she's just started Ocean's 13. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess I could watch Ocean's 13. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't start China Salesman until like 1130, and it's like a two-hour movie. Oh, my um, goodness. And it's way long. It feels way longer than that. Oh, but it feels way longer than that. So essentially what you're saying is you didn't actually get any sleep. I didn't sleep at all because that's how, you know. I, then I that's how st- dedicated you that's are. That's right, to, and to winning how, this year. <laughs> and how ill-prepared you are during the rest of the two weeks. Right, exactly. It's both. You know, it's procrastination and it's dedication. And that's what I bring to the show. See, I watched. I actually watched this movie a week ago. That's right. You did tell. You did. I did get yeah. that like text from you. You're like, I already watched it. I know. Yeah, I was. I was actually stuck in a cabin in the middle of a big foot of snow. <laughs> like, and there was nothing else to do. So I thought, ah, were you by yourself? China sale. I was by myself. Right. I was. I was taking a writing retreat. I was doing a book, and you just needed a break. I just needed a break. I was going to eat my food, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to cook up some spaghetti. And watch some China Salesman. And boy, the spaghetti was good. (laughs) All right. So we got the Fantasy Movie Awards draft coming up after that, of course, as well as the most least important thing. But now it's time for China Salesman. Our wounds, Paul's wounds are healing from this Hurts So Good segment. Mine are fresh. 
And so uh, let's let's just dive right in to this uh, 2017 gem. Yeah, let's do dive in. So I guess first we need to set it up. China Salesman was was made by the – it felt like it was made by the Chinese government in, in some ways. And I'm not sure if it actually was. But I, I, did, I did look something up after the fact. I didn't see this before. My assumption was I literally just found this randomly on Netflix – did and you just see the names? I saw Mike the, Tyson. I, I saw Mike Tyson. It said China salesman, and it, like, I think it had Seagal's name on there. And so I clicked on it. I was like, "This has got to be bad." So I looked it up on IMDb. <laughs> it, it had a low score there, and I was like, "And I looked at the the content, and it was like, there's a belly dance." And I was like, "Well, that's it's all right. Let's watch it." <laughs> um, not because of the belly dance, because that was it. <laughs> and uh, but but then after watching this film. And and feeling the intense Chinese propaganda flowing over me for two hours, uh, I looked at I, I was like looking at other people's reviews, and somebody, some astute researcher, said that there were at least like seven different uh, Chinese known Chinese like propaganda production companies that were involved in the making of this film. Yeah. Why you need seven, I don't know, but yeah. I hear yeah. there's pretty intense bureaucracy. Well, and you can in imagine PRC. in China, I think that they keep a pretty tight leash over what people see in here and think, if possible. And I did my first clue actually was when when I switched it on, and you know, you have all the all the people who are behind the studio. They are the movie. They did have one of the studios had like this worker statue type right. thing, you know, with the brave, strong, rugged things that you always see in all the, you know, that they actually have statues of all over China. Right, very Russia, like socialist, communist. Stuff. Exactly. It just had that sort of feel, Probably, that North yeah. Korean type of feel to right. it. And I thought, this could be interesting. The and stoic yes, laborer. Yes, it was. So, so just to set up the movie really quickly, and it doesn't really <laughs> require much setup. You have this apparently the this China Chinese company a virtuous DH? Chinese the China DH Telecom China DH Telecom a virtuous mobile telecom company to, from China to bid on some sort of telecommunications contract with this unnamed country in Africa is it Uganda is it Tunisia who is knows it Tajikistan who knows they just they never name the country they never even name the capital they just say there's there's fighting in the capital from the capital. Here we are. Which is particularly ironic because they say this is based on a true story. And they don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I did some research on that to find out what, what true story is this based on. No, there, there was nowhere to be found. But anyway, so this Chinese company is going down to bid on this thing. The China salesman was like an old... IT He's an IT guy, guy right? programmer. He, he was kind of everything. Yeah, yeah He's so, also like an in-the-field tech guy and a salesman. He's really a jack-of-all-trades. Right. So he comes down because he needs a change of pace. And they're bidding on this telecommunications bid against a whole bunch of evil Western companies, especially an evil French Western company, right? Right. Did you get the impression they were French? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the main villain – but that was the weird thing. Like the main villain definitely had like a French accent. Yeah. But then the impartial UN bid acceptor yes. also was French. And yeah. so it was like, it was how are they confusing. impartial if they're from the same country? Yes. It was, but yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a little strange. And, and, and they then, kept talking about like how everybody's from the West, but then they're like, they're all European. So like the yeah. Americans don't factor into this at all. Yeah. Like, this is very much like anti-European. Yeah, yeah. Although, although they, there was one guy who West. did sort of. I, I think that they mentioned the Americans in passing in their part of 
they're part of the West, right? But I don't well, think we Steven ever... Seagal, of course. Well, <laughs> so so the the evil French company is somehow working with Mike Tyson, who is leading a band like they're trying to create an insurrection yeah, that, of some sort. So that the tribe his tribe could rise up and right. take back its country from the colonizers or he also but has, the colonizers aren't in control anymore. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's just killing all of his it's tribes just, people. Yeah, he, who knows? And, and he also had an accent, which I could never quite figure out what it was. Yeah. And then Steven Seagal owns a bar. And in, a, in a country that bans alcohol. <laughs> it is exclusively Ironic. a bar. Yeah, it is exclusively a bar. And they force... Oddly enough, isn't there a scene where they actually force like Mike Tyson to drink and he refuses to drink even though I, it's supposedly the custom in this Muslim country that everybody has to drink or something. Right, yeah. I, no, I in his, didn't get it. In his bar, Stephen, like, where all, all, they made it very clear. Well, they have not yet made it clear that alcohol is illegal until Mike Tyson refuses to drink in the bar that he's at. And then they're like, no, you can't leave if you don't drink because otherwise he'll think you'll turn him into the cops. So that's where we first learned oh, that it's illegal. Oh, gotcha. You were paying way more attention. Um, I was probably fixing spaghetti at the time. And so then their solution, because Mike Tyson's like, no, I'm not going to drink the alcohol. I'm going to stay true to my faith. And then they're like, well. <laughs> you have to do that with a fake French accent. <laughs> I can't do. I, I'm sorry. I can't do Mike Tyson doing a French accent. Like, that's just not in my repertoire yet. But then their solution, Steven Seagal is very chill about it. He's like, okay, you don't have to drink to pee. Or, I, just, I just gave it away. I just gave it away. You don't have to drink the alcohol. He, had, he like nods to his bartender. His bartender gives him a knowing nod back, whips out a pint glass, and then just urinates in it. And the bartender apparently just has a pint of his own urine. Just, just he's holding out. it, ready to go in yeah. case anybody doesn't drink beer. Yeah. And, and he's got a pint. He fills a pint glass with it. That's, yeah. I, don't, I very rarely need to go to the bathroom that badly. It was amazing because it gave Mike Tyson the opportunity in his French accent to scream at Steven Seagal, You serve me pee! You die! <laughs> it was so... What? That's, that's really pretty much the setup. There, there, is, uh, there is an insurrection that the, tele, the French telecom company is behind and the China no, no, salesman... Yeah needs to save not only his business's reputation and win this contract, but they're being stop sabotaged. civil war. Yeah. Right? I mean, so that's the, the essential plot. Yeah, because the villain get, goes get back. Get the contract, right. stop civil war. Right, and save the and and bring bring telecom to the whole world. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because because in the end, after all this over like this tiny little African nation bidding contract... Uh, like it all, it, it, like it comes. They end up at this really fancy party out of nowhere, and it's like, and China Telecom gets a three billion euro contract to bring telecom to all of the West, and it's like, what? <laughs> Number one, that's way too cheap <laughs> to bring telecom to the, all of the West. Marvel costs more than that. But also, like they're, they're like, this is after a long-awaited, you know, this is they win the award. It's like we've never heard of this award in this entire movie. Oh my! God. But they save the world. All right, so that they're the this movie is the re, like this is the story of how we have three G and four G and five G. It's a true story, and even based 6G. on a true story, <laughs> based <laughs> on a true story, and so like alliances are all over the place. Like the impartial French administrator is like at first she's flirting with the yeah, French the, villain, the French administrator. Then he's like, hey, you could use my car. 
if you want. And she's like, whoa, 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 don't cross that line, buddy. Like he just, you know, salaciously solicited her for some sort of like illegal sexual act. Yeah. And then she's like all nice to the Chinese salesman, the China salesman, and then she's mean to him again. And then she's like screwing him over. And then they're friends again. And then it's like my high school life all all over again. And then he's like rolling down a sand dune about to die. And she's taking a bath and like high school life. Then they're in love. And then they're in love. They they finish up being in love because of course that's the way it goes. Yeah, it was. I got emotional whiplash watching this movie. It was you never know. Pretty, yeah, you never know who's working with who. The editing is so bad. You never know what's happening. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear, if there was no Chinese propaganda in here at all, it would be a terrible movie. It right. would be a terrible great movie. Oh, it was absolutely hilarious. It was. I laughed out loud multiple times. Fantastic. This was. This truly was the definition of a heard so good movie because you've got Mike Tyson. There's an explosion. He he's literally thrown like 500 feet in the air, <laughs> like into a, into like a canyon. <laughs> he survives. You've got Steven Seagal, which we have no idea. Yeah, he does get sold into slavery. What was that about? <laughs> I don't it's like all of a sudden his insurrection fails, he's set off on a horse, next thing you know he's in slavery too. Yeah. But then he gets out of it somehow. But then he just leaves with the evil French guy. He's good. Yeah. They're like, they're fine. He's got the money to buy him out of slavery. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was the definition of a hurt so good type of movie because it was really terrible and kind of fun to watch. There was there was I was actually really disappointed. I did some research on on this movie, believe it or not, and there was supposed to be an eight-minute fight scene between Steven Seagal and Mike Tyson. And I think they cut that out in the Netflix version that I saw because I saw, like, maybe a minute, 30 seconds. Yeah, it was it was less than three for sure. Eight minutes of Steven Seagal, Mike Tyson, 20 years past their prime fighting each other. That would have been perfect. Perfect. I, I, I would have loved that because it would have been very Family Guy-esque where you just, like, hold... <laughs> the same shot for way too long so it's like funny and then it stops being funny and then it starts being funny again and then it stops being funny and then it starts being funny again <laughs> because I won't lie like the minute 30 seconds of fight that there was felt like an eternity oh goodness it felt so slow like they're trying you can tell they're trying to speed it up with the camera work yeah but Steven Seagal just looks like a snail and a walrus had a Benjamin Button baby that's like super old but trying to be like young. This can I confess something? This was the very first Steven Seagal movie oh my gosh, I've same. ever seen. I have never ever seen a Steven Seagal movie till this, and I was like, wow. You can see where all the hype was back in the 90s, can't you? Oh my gosh, way wow. past his prime. Like he is pudgy. His skin looks terrible, and like. The movie even gives a nod. Like, he's had allegations of rape and, like, sexual harassment and sexual assault. And he just, like, casually, like, sexually harasses his employee. Like, and the, and she, and she like, she's made to... I was en- cooking spaghetti, so I Enjoy it. It was, like, just all these weird little choices. He never raises his voice above, like, a dull... Okay. <laughs> Which is maybe classic Steven Seagal. But he is just... He is... 
way out of his the fight scene is so ridiculous it's so ridiculous i wanted to see more of it i really did i would there have was a lot of longer there was a lot of uh, chaos in this one there, there truly was i i do have to say i think my favorite line you're not gonna like this line but okay. i thought it was hilarious so so the civil war breaks out right mm-hmm. and so people are getting blown up and flying and all this sort of stuff and you just see this news report of this one dude who's standing there. Yes. And he, he goes, the capital is in chaos. The Civil War is unavoidable. This is Andy Nelson reporting live from the Capitol. I just, I like, literally, <laughs> 10 feet away from him, people are being mowed down in the streets <laughs> and thrown off of balconies and bludgeoning just, one another. And he's just in his suit. Like, he's not even in, like, in-the-field journalism clothes. He's in his night suit, not a speck of dust on it. And he's just, like, so chill. It's unavoidable. <laughs> it's unavoidable. It's which is happen. totally not a journalist it's thing chaos. to say. You yeah. don't want to say it's unavoidable. <laughs> Yeah, like especially in this movie where they're trying to make a big deal right. about the fact that it, it can is be avoidable. And he's like, "Well, no, it's unavoidable. <laughs> the capital is king chaos. The civil war is unavoidable." Just to show that truly everyone had given up. Everybody, everybody, everybody gave up, even Andy Nelson, China salesman, except for China salesman. It's really terrible, actually, because you know China salesman. It's it's used as sort of this derogatory reference to the guy that he takes umbrage at. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dropping your stones over there. <laughs> so, but but the I don't remember the character's name. I just remember he was the China salesman. And so Jin. I feel Young Jin. Young Jin. They actually make, he makes spaghetti. he makes that big deal about it, but then like where he's like, Stop calling me China salesman. I'm a person. I have feelings. My name is <laughs> Young Jin. And she's like, This is a telecom bidding contract. There's no room for feelings or you humanity. Will, you will get respect you will if be, you get the contract. Yeah. <laughs> this is business. <laughs> You get the con- you get the contract. You get respect. <laughs> you, you almost expected her to start dropping like like racial slurs right there. Come on, man. Oh my gosh! And they say China salesman over and over and uh, over again. Like I almost turned it into a drinking game. If, yeah. But I, I would have died you from alcohol died. poisoning because I just he he eventually like gives up. He's like, you know what? I am China salesman. <laughs> you know, which is very fitting for this Chinese propaganda movie, right? When you exactly. think about the fact that you yeah. Know, that's well, what they want out of their people. Like you're not, you're not Yan Jin. You're China salesman. So Jake, tell me about your very favorite propaganda scene. All right, I got a lot of notes on this one. Um, there were two that I think were my favorite. So let me see which one was like mm, my very favorite. Okay, I think it was where in. First of all, this movie has a false ending about an hour and ten minutes in. Where you're it really like, should have been the, the movie's done. It yeah. should be done right here. Yeah. And then you like hit pause and, to go get a drink, and you're like, "There's like fifty minutes left." Yeah, there's movie. a there's. It's crazy how long it is after it ends. But there's a point later on in the film where he's being held by a villain and being forced to give over secret information. And he just snaps. China salesman just snaps, and he's like, because the the evil oh, yeah, West yeah, yeah, yeah. is like, yeah. you don't belong here in Africa. Africa belongs to the West. And he's like, you just bring slavery and war. We don't bring anything. China is innocent. We came 
we fled from China, which was a hilarious trans- mistranslation, I have to think, because you made it sound like whoever originally from China came to Africa was fleeing right. China. Right, right. So it's like, that doesn't make China sound so good. But he's like, we never do anything. We only help. We never have one slave. And he just goes on this whole rant. And then the villain's just like, nice speech, bro. <laughs> I think that was my favorite. Because it was just, it just got so blatant. Oh, and the other good one. No, no, this is mine. Okay, you take your. I got to do Sorry. this because this is. This I'm just is, so excited about this. I know, I know. My favorite, my favorite propaganda moment is when China salesman and the French person there, and there's this official that are driving through sort of this this no man's land between these forces that are fighting over this country right mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of shooting and people are almost about to die and all this sort of stuff and they say oh we need a white flag we need to we have a red cross flag something something so we can go over there and he says i have a chinese flag <laughs> <laughs> And so they say, no, no, no. But then he goes for it anyway. He rips out the Chinese flag. Someone, the, the French lady throws him a pole to put it on, which is amazing, actually. That it was a great that. javelin yeah. throw. It was. It was really good. So he puts it on, and he starts swinging it around, and then all the Africans around them start applauding, and they stop shooting, and it's really an inspiring thing. There's like slow motion thumbs up, which is an <laughs> yeah. action that does not need slow motion. <laughs> It's, like, can, it's, it's not more dramatic when you show it slow motion. And out. apparently, these rebel, these rebel like African, all, you know, barely out of the tribal phase soldiers that they make very clear. There's very little distinction. Also, they speak Mandarin in this because in this country where they've made it very clear early in the movie that China has not had a presence. But you but know, they speak Mandarin. Well, it's because China is so good that. They need to, you know, you sort of, the good guys sort of learn Mandarin just because they're good and good people all speak the same language, yeah. right? Something like that. Okay, so the, the other one that I thought was amazing was... Oh, just, so that wasn't even yours. That wasn't even, well, that, oh, was, I love that, the, that was on there. I had, I, as I'm looking, I just have so many. Oh, but there was another Chinese one. Chinese flag flip. Oh my gosh! He like belly flops, oh. holding it up in the air, and it stands so straight, so straight. He is so strong. Like this pole is like twenty feet tall. He's holding it at the very bottom, like <laughs> very, very bottom, and it is not top it's, heavy at it's all. It's very much an Iwo Jima sculpture type of moment, right? It's just <laughs> right. it is right. Trying there. to be very iconic. <laughs> um, there's a pivotal point where like uh, the villains are bringing a lawsuit against. The the Chinese yeah. telecom so it company goes from here to a lawsuit. This movie is way worse than Star Wars Episode One when it comes to like technical details yeah. of like trade. Yeah. Except they're so dumb and basic. So it's spent. It, the movie has to spend like at least twenty twenty five minutes. Oh my goodness! On arguing over CDMA versus GSM versus three G versus yeah. you know, it really did feel sort of like a nineteen eighties action movie slash with some sort of corporate learning tool you know that you have to yeah. sit in three employee this is, yeah, this is how the chinese telecom companies how, inspire yeah. you know during their first day picture. anyway go ahead uh so the evil lawyer for the west is is considering this this bold move Who's that british? china sales yeah a british guy yeah working with the french company very normal in the uk i think um the china salesman is considering releasing all of their proprietary technological information and the evil villain and his evil lawyer are like, oh my gosh, that would be the worst thing for us because they would win everything and get all the money. 
Which eggs. I, okay, sure. Whatever. Uh, and it's just too bad we can't do it because we can't release ours because our government is so controlling. <laughs> that, was, that was the other thing I, I was thinking of because, you know, China gets into trouble all the time. And, and we Americans, or at least the American government, thinks that, that China is perpetually stealing proprietary information. Right. right. So this the whole movie, in some ways, it almost felt like that ending was partially tacked on to respond to those charges. Yeah. This is going to an American audience. We're going to say, no, we just mean well. We want to bring the world together. We want freedom of information. We won't even talk about Hong Kong. They, we, want, we won't talk about Hong oh Kong. We won't talk about trying to censor the NBA. Oh, where, my goodness. Where they literally said this, like talking about governments is not freedom of speech. We believe in freedom of speech, but not freedom of speech. Like they're literally, but then at the end of this movie, they do like a free, you know, freeze frame and like, where are they now? And they say, releasing 3G source code not only broke down the long term monopoly barriers, digs at capitalism, and unseen rules of telecommunication industry, but also boosted global mobile telecommunication development. Whether we are in Europe, America, Asia, or Africa, and whether we are rich or poor, very soon we will all enjoy the same technology. Our dream of a global village will come true. DH soon won the intellectual property lawsuit and several years later became a world-class transnational enterprise in the telecommunication technologies. Never mind the fact that China DH Telecom is not even a real company. There you go. There you go. So based like, on a true story. Based on a true story, but China DH Telecom doesn't exist, which is funny because they have three state-controlled telecom companies they could have used. Yeah. Didn't use any of them. Yeah. Didn't yeah. use a real African nation. The tribe in this African nation, the Udan tribe, that becomes very pivotal as we go. Yeah. Not a real African tribe. <laughs> but all these things are censored on their search results. So how are they going to know? <laughs> They're like, yeah, this is right. Funny enough, this movie flopped in China. Really? This movie cost reportedly over $20 million to make and only made less than $1.5 million in China. I'm glad we were able to help them, you know, help them out with their bottom line. By watching it. And I'm sure Netflix paid something for it. I, so. I got to think it's pennies, though. It can't be very much. Oh, my goodness. This was – it was quite the movie. I got to share my, my second favorite line. Please do. Yes. So at the very end, Mike Tyson has a change of heart. He has this <laughs> big moment in I, – I won't spoil it because it's a big – it's a big thing. A big moment. But he does say in his Mike Tyson accent, I have thinned. I am a thinner. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know I laughed about that that was pretty funny his, his whole accent is so you terrible. gotta say it now you gotta say it in the mic I have thin I'm a thinner <laughs> that was a little too high pitched he tries to go less high pitched in yeah. this one yeah but uh, oh, and like the translation is all over the place my like actually my favorite line at the end wasn't from that but it was the translation of the, the the head honcho at the China telecom company mm. who's been trying to stop the release right. of the source code of our brilliant working class hero. Again, exactly. Totally propaganda. Um, but the, our hero saves the day and they come and tell the boss and you think he's going to be mad, angry, furious, but he stoically turns to the window and he, say, <laughs> he says, it must have been Yan Jun. Looks like you've become the badass I once hoped to be. <laughs> What? <laughs> and then it just leaves. It doesn't expound on it at all. It's just like, all right, next scene. <laughs> Maybe they're setting it up for a prequel. 
the failed the failed sales the failed the, the failed, failed China Hong Kong salesman yeah. or something. It'll yeah. be a propaganda piece against how terrible oh, Hong Kong man. is or something. There's just too many things, guys. I've still got at least uh, a dozen other bullet points that I haven't even talked about. Uh, and I mean, people get run over by Hummers, walk yeah. away. Um, people, oh, the UN. The UN, like, cameo oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was yeah. so amazing. They had the worst dialogue in the whole movie. and But, like, it was... Uh, do you remember this? I do remember this. So the, the, the UN helicopter flies in, s- s- blows up a tank with a missile, lands, <laughs> comes over to China Salesman. This is the opening line. We are UN peacekeepers. We can't get involved in the war. What else can we do for you? It's like, you literally just bombed this tank. <laughs> You're like, see the fire over there? We can't get involved in the war. <laughs> Is that not involved for you? And so then, and then, like, when they're helping him, uh, he's like, our, trop- our chopper will soon become the tower that you need. <laughs> and then the plan works, and all he says is, cool. <laughs> all right, so, so Jake, many amazing things. Jake, on a, on a scale of 1 to 10... What would you rate this? This one for me was a solid nine out of ten. Ooh, wow! I laughed out loud multiple times. It was. It seemed like it would never end. There was continually more. And more. Like I said, I've got another dozen. Yeah, different little goofy notes about this movie. Like I could have done a. You know, there's this podcast called How Did This Get Made that yeah. does a whole episode on bad movies. I could do a whole episode on this one. Two hours. We could talk longer about this movie than it actually Absolutely. took the movie to run, and that's saying something because yeah. it was a long movie. I would not give it quite nine, but I would give it a solid seven point five. Yeah, it was it was a pretty entertaining movie. If you enjoy really bad movies with a dose of Chinese propaganda, <laughs> this dose. is definitely a movie for you. Absolutely, of course it is rated R, right? So it is. So yeah. there's some content I, that you have to. It, it's like it gets surprisingly gory later on. Yeah, people explode. <laughs> Literally, they say the goriest <laughs> scene for the very end, and the dude's torso <laughs> blows up. But, but um, yeah, and they they actually show it. Like they I, actually show. It's it. like wow, they they had more. That's where their twenty million well, budget went. Well, I, I think uh, that actually, when you're in China, you can actually blow up real people. Yeah, but you can't have anybody kiss. There's no <laughs> kissing in this movie. No kissing. But I will. I I do need to update the IMDb like parents guide. Yeah, because it just said that there was this belly dancer, you know, in the background early yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. But there's this weird like hybrid princess bride. Uh, meets the witness scene, like the witness with Harrison Ford yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Kelly McGillis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where our hero is out in the desert, about to die, and he starts and he collapses in exhaustion and starts rolling down a sand dune in slow motion, <laughs> and then they're like intercutting it with shot suitable for work shots. Oh yeah, of his that well, was a weird love scene. interest taking a bath, yeah. and enjoying it quite a bit. Enjoying it, and then they're like flat. Then we cut slowly, fade back to him rolling down the hill, and slowly fade back to her taking. That was an interesting directorial choice, I would say. And they had to avoid, you know, like showing full nudity because of yeah Chinese Chinese censors, but. I think that was supposed to show that they were falling in love as he was dying in the as desert. As he was falling down a sand Because they, they had just gotten off the phone. <laughs> he doesn't ask her to send help. He's just like, I'm going to save the world. And, she's and like, she takes a bath. I believe you will. And then hangs up. 
And then she happily takes a bath as he dies. Yeah. But then doesn't. If only... No. no. I don't wish death on this <laughs> Guys, this, this movie... Salesman. Because he's really nice. Yeah, you can totally skip that scene uh, if you don't want to see her shoulders. Um, <laughs> or her flank. Her flank. Yeah. I'm <laughs> She's gonna not add a that. side of beef. I'm going to add that. Well, that's but that's how they're treating her in that scene. All it's right. not how I'm treating her, but that's how the movie treats gotcha. her. They're just like, hey, you have to be eye candy. We're not going to... Show all of you, but you have to be eye candy here. Um, anyways, highly recommend this if you like bad movies with Chinese propaganda. Exactly. As Paul said. Exactly. Uh, but now it's time to talk about good movies, or at least according to some people, good movies. So let's get away to the Fantasy Movie Award season draft. Here we are for the sophomore season of the Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All Fantasy Movie Awards League. League! With I'm here with reigning champion Paul Acey. Paul, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling, feeling pretty good confident. about your odds here? Well, you know, it depends. It depends on if you pick more, more legends despite all your, all your hours upon hours of research. We'll, we'll see. I, since I do this for a living, I feel like I do have a built-in advantage. But Yeah, Paul does... Uh, I think that's what we really saw last year is Paul is forced to watch these movies. I watch a lot of movies. I mean, because you see, you see at least 100 plus a year, right? Probably not that many, but 70 to 80 for sure. In that range. And I'm seeing a dozen yeah. new movies. Excuse me, if that. Yeah. You know, um, and so it's just hard for me to get that volume, that same volume as Paul. Like he's paid to go see these things every day. I have every to I have to take time out of my exactly exactly. Uh, so that's this is why a labor of love for you. This that's is right. just labor for me, <laughs> <laughs> which somehow turned into Paul pitying himself. Um, <laughs> but that's why I had to do extra research this year. I, I I found out that I could not get by on my gut. I had to put in the time. I had to Adam Schefter this bad boy. Yeah, yeah. You know, pretty soon if this becomes popular, which surely it will. Mm-hmm. You're going to have magazines. You're going to have websites. A whole right. podcast dedicated to who are you going to choose for your fantasy movie awards draft. That's right. So it's time before we start getting into our picks to remind you guys of the setup of this. The rules are that we are going to pick five, each pick five movies that we think will clean up during movie awards season. And we're going to go a snake draft style. So one of us will start. One of us will finish. Um and we'll go back and forth, and then uh, this begin the award season actually begins in earnest in December. There's the New York Film Critics Circle Awards that kick it off, and then it ends in February with the Oscars. And there's a whole slew in behind that, um, you know, things that you've never heard of, like where's my list here? I'm not seeing them. The SAG, oh, the BAFTA, awards. the SAG, yeah, all these different award organizations. The, NSFC, the NYFC, the LAFC, the Directors Guild, the Producers Guild. And so we give different amount of points to how those different awards are visible or right, not. Right, right. The lower, the lower level ones, like the Critics Awards, we tend to give a point to every, every award that one of our movies picks up gets a point from, say, the New York Film Critics Society. We'll give that same, that same movie a point, two points if they win the BAFTA. Three, actually. Three. Yeah. So and then, 
I've got the points here. It's, you, you don't get any... And we'll put this on the website. Yeah, we'll, we've got it on the website for you. But there's one point per win for, for the National Society of Film Critics, New York Film Critics, Los Angeles Film Critics, Directors Guild, Producers Guild. You've got to get the W, but that gets you one right. point per category per film. Right. Then in the Golden Globes, you get a point for a nomination per category per film. And then three points per category win. In the end. And that is the same for the Screen Actors Guild and the same for the Golden Globes and the BAFTA. Uh, but then the Academy Awards is the big honcho. You get two points for the nomination at the Academy Awards and six points per category win at the Academy Awards. So Safety touchdown. That's right. And, and these, these sometimes they end up picking some similar films, like last year when the favorite won everything. But a lot of times it's very different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that The Favorite had a lot of advantages in that it was a critical darling. They had a lot of really good performances, so it really racked up in the in the actor's category. But, you know, you can pick a movie like Captain Marvel that might do really well in uh, the, the technical categories, and you can rack up a ton of points in those technical categories with that. So, so it really does – it's a – this is kind of fun for me because you really do get to sort of choose some of those those typical awards baits movies. But if you choose some really popular stuff that, you know, superhero movies or Star Wars movies, you've got a chance to do pretty well in that as well. And we would love for you, by the way, to play along with us. You know, if you wanted to, you don't have to listen to what Jake and I draft and then not choose those. You can put together your own team and see how your team would match up against Jake's and mine and chances are you'd probably win against Jake at least. That's right. Well, and that's where Paul is trying to throw you and I off with that little speech right there is that was what I tried last year. I tried for some of these popular films like Black Panther and Mortal Engines that were, you know, not going to be critically acclaimed as much as they were, you know, popular. Though Black Panther did get some critical love and I thought they were going to clean up in the technical awards. Boy, howdy was I wrong. Maybe you'll be better at your guess at which ones will, but I I still think you got to go artsy here. Alrighty, so so I think Jake, you should you should begin since since you lost That's last right. year. Exactly, we're doing you this. Get the first pick. Right, we're doing this the way that you do it in the, the NFL. NFL. Yeah, where whoever does the worst gets to go first, <laughs> and uh, that almost makes it harder for me here, uh, just because you know I'm like, all right, which of these is going to be the one? Because Paul might swoop in and. And take one away from me. Exactly. So you sort of have to think about what I might choose. Right. And then try to choose that first. Excuse me. So uh, I'm going to start. Gosh, golly goodness. I I can see Paul taking either of my top two picks. And so I'm like trying to figure out which one he would really take with his first pick. And I feel like I'm going to be wrong either way. But here I go with the number one pick of this sophomore season of the Pop Culture with Fan- Pop Culture with Fanboy Know It All Fantasy Movie Awards League. I'm going to take Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Oh, curses! Was that was that going to be your pick? Yeah. yeah. Well, it or it was one that there. I was thinking of for sure because The Irishman. I actually just saw it yesterday. Yeah. And it was it was all right. It was just fine. Yeah, you're saying it's just fine. 
<laughs> I know. I can tell that it's not just fine. So Scorsese, Martin Scorsese directs it. It's a Netflix show that you can watch on November 29th. Um, lots of content, caveats to go along with this, but it does star Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci. It is the gangster film to end all gangster films in, in some respects. Yeah, my hope so. with this one is that I get best adapted. And it's three and a half play. hours long. That is long. Uh, it's gonna hope, which is what the uh, these movie awards seem to love. They love these long. I'm hoping it's gonna get best adapted screenplay. I'm hoping it's gonna get like best director, best actor, best supporting actor, uh, uh, costumes, you know, stuff like that. I'm hoping it's gonna pull in a bunch of those types of noms and awards for me. Whew. Okay, so. All right, so but it is tough because it is a Netflix film in the awards. Well, and that's the uh, but thing. Roma broke that ice last year, so that's that is the thing. It is very tricky. Okay. So what I think I'm going to do, this is a tricky one because I think I know the one that might rack in more awards, but I'm still thinking about you and what you are going to pick next time. <sighs> you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with the Homer pick for my first pick, and that is. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. Okay, all right. This I, I will be curious with this one because this one has gotten mixed reviews so far. Yeah, it is. It is a lovely little movie about Mister Rogers, and it's, wait, you haven't seen it yet, have you? I have seen it. Oh, yeah. The screen is not even until like two I know. From now. I know. Look at you. Look at me. I am so up to date. Um, stars Tom Hanks as Mister Rogers has some great performances. It is a funky little movie in that it's it's much more. Um, creative than you would expect, and because it's so sweet, it might not necessarily have some of the some of the cultural cachet that that others might. But yeah, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good movie. So I'm going to go with Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood for my first choice. All right, second choice, second choice for Paul again. Trying to block That's right. That's what, the problem with getting the what Jake might snake do. Draft. I'm going to go ahead and and pick Once Upon a Time. Dang in Hollywood. it! <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Brad Pitt on my team. <laughs> Once Gosh, upon a time in Hollywood, uh, Tarantino. No, yeah, I was hoping you were going to be too smug to pick this one. <laughs> Flip. <laughs> so it it is. You got my favorite player. I know, I know. Brad Pitt has a giant. Not 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 Johnny Depp. Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> directed by Quentin ah. Tarantino. I think it might be actually Quentin Tarantino's my favorite Quentin Tarantino fan. Now that's not a really high bar because I find you don't it, like most of his films. He's he I really love a lot of what he does, and then I really dislike some of what he does. But this one had more of what I love and less of what I hate. Oh, man, so. all right, all right, yay! Two picks Blocked in a you. row for me. Um, all right, I was. I wasn't sure if Paul how artsy he was going to get, but I'm going artsy here. And my second, my second pick and the fourth pick of the draft, I'm going with Marriage Story. Ooh, Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson, Laura Dern. You're just going with an all Netflix team, I gather. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't. I was going to go with Once Upon a Time there. Um, so now I'm forced down to my third, <laughs> third choice there. Uh, but this one's this one's like sneakily getting a lot of love and could easily be I think like the favorite where it's it's not known as well mainstream but the actors just put in such powerful performances that they pick up those wins in 
across these different critics of uh, shows, like The Favorite, where it's right. like, who heard of The Favorite outside of a couple of odd people? <laughs> but then all, they got all these best actor, best, or best actress, best supporting actress, best supporting actor. Like they just start like at all the shows. So that's what I'm hoping with Marriage Story. Yeah, I'm seeing it on Monday, so I'll tell you if it's any good or not. All right. Uh, so my next pick. Oh, man. Okay. So uh, my top three are now all off the board with The Irishman, The Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Marriage Story. So now I'm looking at my next tier of picks here. And I got – I have – I have <laughs> – Okay. I, I think I'm going to do this one because I, I, I didn't think I was going to pick this one coming into it. But the more I thought about it, the more I was looking at across different perspectives, I am going to go with my third pick with Joker. Oh, wow. I think, I think Hollywood oh. is less concerned with being appropriate. In fact, they tend to like controversy in, you know, in their awards. If we look at you know all the things they like to give, they t- t- a lot of them tend to rankle, you know, mainstream perspectives. And so I'm hoping Joaquin, you know, well, you gotta and, figure he's gonna get at least an, an, a couple of considerations right, for his right. performance, right? You know, and it, it is you know uh, a good adapted screenplay. I think like the costume design, the soundtrack for sure was very well done, and so I think this could be one that sneakily ends up pulling in more than you thought so joker is my third paul goodness gracious this is where it gets really tricky and so i think all right my next pick i think i'm gonna go um straight up acting this is gonna be a straight up acting type of play i'm gonna choose little women oh okay all right this this was in my second tier yeah so little women uh it actually is directed by Greta Gerwig, right. who is a really strong director. She she did Lady Bird. Um, she's really a, a pretty good director on the on the rise, and it stars a huge cast with uh, Saoirse Ronan, Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet, Emily Watson, and Meryl Streep is in it too. And you know that anything that Meryl Streep is in. <sighs> Yeah, it's going to take a see, little more notice, right? Yeah, this is I was waffling between this one and Joker, and I just have this little bit of a bias against Little Women, not because I don't like it, but because I think of it as being so syrupy. Yeah, and I know yeah. it's not. I know there's hard things in it, but to me, it just feels so kind of cheesy, syrupy. It feels more Hallmark to me. Yeah. Again, I know it's not truly, but for whatever reason in my own brain and so I'm like they can't take that seriously can they but you're right Greta Gerwig you know did Lady Bird Saoirse Ronan did Lady Bird Meryl Streep Timothy Chalamet those are four Oscar nominees in that bad boy um yeah I don't I don't think that's a bad I don't think that's a bad pick Joker has I think three former Oscar noms and or, and or winners yeah at least in it so maybe I'll be okay but that's a good pick alright number four for you Number four, this is a total, total Jake Roberson block. Don't Avengers know. Endgame. Oh, no. I, I did not have this anywhere on my list. Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, didn't even feel, I don't feel like it's. 
It was Oscar so worthy. long ago. But here's the thing. It's got all of – it is by far the biggest movie of the year, right? And sure. no one's even going to come close this year. I think that because of its box office performance, it could do really well in the technical categories. Sure. And frankly, you know, honestly, it, and this is a conversation we'll likely have later, uh, Endgame was a flawed movie in some respects. Man, it was emotionally satisfying. It really held together well. I would, I honestly would campaign for it to be a Best Picture nominee. Yeah, I, I we talked about it before on this podcast. You can go back and listen to it. I think it was a great ending to the Marvel universe. I just don't know that it works as well apart from that. It's not a bad film by any stretch. It just doesn't. Like, and, and and this is also colored by the fact that I got burned. I didn't get burned by Black Panther. Black Panther did fine. Right. But it did not clean up the way I expected right. and, it to. And, and it, it had a lot of critical love. It had a lot of critical love, a lot more than Endgame does. That's for sure. I mean, people were talking about it in in glowing terms. I think Avengers Endgame is, is frankly, a better movie. So we'll sure. just see. No, we'll see how we'll it shakes out. See what happens. I just, you know, I, uh, I shied away from it because it didn't even score within 10 points of your fourth performing movie. Black Panther didn't last year, so I was a little scared of those Marvel films. All right, so I get to do my fourth and fifth pick of the draft. Um, There's a couple. I thought Little Women was going to still be on the board. I didn't think Paul was going to go for that. I put that there. <laughs> um, so I'm going to jump down to my next pick, which is, uh, again, another one I didn't see coming, but the more people made the case for it, the more I was like, all right, I'll go for it. Uh, and that is The Farewell. Oh, the farewell! Yeah, it has gotten a lot of buzz. Right, got a lot of Chinese American culture, Chinese culture, Aquafina getting a lot of love. It's a really bittersweet, very funny movie, from what I understand. You can see it now. I think it's already on video. I believe it is now, and um, and it's one I was kind of interested in checking out. And so uh, it could be possibly um, get a lot of those get a lot of those uh, supporting yeah awards. So hopefully. Hopefully that pays out for me, or else I'm Paul's little women's going to win it all. I'm convinced <laughs> of that now. Like now that it's funny, just you picking it makes me convinced. Not because you picked it, but just seeing it off the board is like the one that got away. <laughs> Anyways, uh, all right. So that was my fifth pick. I am going to throw in one dark horse here that uh, I, I want to take a flyer on. Okay. And so I'm going to go with number fifth, my last pick of the draft. Uh, I'm going to go with Parasite. Oh, Parasite. Parasite. Foreign movie. It's a foreign movie. South Korean, correct? Um, uh, South Korean. Getting a lot of buzz. So much buzz on this film, like from a variety of corners, like where people are like, this might just be like the perfect movie ever made. I haven't seen it yet myself. I feel like it might be one that you can get uh, soon. Have you seen this? Have you seen? Parasite? I have not seen it. No, um, but it's it's one that's getting a lot of love, and is one people think like Roma helped kind of breach some of the foreign language in mainstream categories. A hesitation that some of the awards uh, had had before, and they think this one might just blow it out of the park. So, yeah, but of course, it is still a foreign language film. It's Korean. Are people going to go for that? Point. So for me, there's a lot of really good movies on the board, and I am. I am torn. Quite honestly, I am torn. I, part of me, because I'm a car guy, you know I'm a car guy, Ford versus Ferrari sure. is still out there. Yep. That's really tempting because it looks pretty good. Um, another Netflix movie called The Two Popes is Lingering, which I looks pretty good. One, yep. 
But the two that I'm trying to decide right now between is this movie called Bombshell. Have you okay. heard of this? Yep, I did hear. Uh, that was one I was thinking about. So this is sort of like the modern day. I mean, this is, again, going to be an, an acting um, dynamo. It's about Roger Ailes and Fox News and right. the Me Too movement. And it stars Charlize Theron. Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie, it's got a lot of really good people in it feels because it has sort of that cultural cachet that, that I think really resonates with Hollywood. It could get a lot of consideration. But even though I actually think that might pull in the most awards of any of our movies in some ways, it has the potential, I'm going to go with Jojo Rabbit. Oh, interesting. Jojo Another, Rabbit. Similar to Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, this one's been getting very mixed reviews. This one, I saw it, and I personally thought it was delightful. It's a difficult movie in that it, it takes place in uh, World War II, and it features this 10-year-old boy who grows up in Germany and loves Adolf Hitler. Mm. Loves Adolf Hitler. And he has an imaginary Adolf Hitler friend, essentially. Um, his world is sort of upended when he realizes that his mother is housing, hiding uh, a Jewish girl in their house. And for me, I can understand all the blowback. I can understand all the criticism. For me, it really worked. For It felt beautiful and poignant and very, very funny. So I think... A sentimental choice, I'm going to go with JoJo. And that's directed and starring Taika Waititi, correct? Correct, correct. The same guy who's behind Thor Ragnarok. He was behind Whoa. one of the best vampire movies of all time, What We Do in the Shadows. Right. Um, yeah, he's he's a super funny director. Flight of the Concords. He takes a lot of chances with this one, but for me, they paid off. Yeah. Well, there you have it. The sophomore draft for the Pop Holders Fanboy Know-It-All Fantasy Movie Awards League. Oh, I'm going to regret Bombshell. Is in the box. <laughs> I know. Just looking at that just makes Eventually, me... Eventually, as, you know, uh, as this develops, we'll come up with like a free agency system and trading and stuff like that. <laughs> um, we got to develop that, get some more people in the league. Let us know what you're thinking about for Oscars for or for awards season. What do you think is slam dunk? What do you think is uh, a white horse or a dark horse, rather? <laughs> Uh, you know, one of those two. One of those two. Um, on the Twitter, I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. But now it's time for the most least important thing. Here we've come now to the most least important thing. We're in the same place, but a new part of the show. It's where we... <laughs> We talk about whatever we want, and we tell you that it's important or not. Or not. Or not. Or not. Paul, what have you got for us today in the most right. important thing? Well, right off of picking an Avengers Endgame for my fantasy movie team, wanted to talk a little bit about Martin Scorsese, who directed The Irishman, which uh-huh. he picked number one. Um, I think he uh, he did not show a lot of love for Marvel movies. That's right. Superhero movies. He said, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them, as well made as they are with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, <laughs> is theme parks. It isn't cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. Now, he sort of backtracked on that. He said, he said essentially... 
Amusement parks are good things, you know? <laughs> you told this to Entertainment Classic Tonight. Classic backtrack. And, and at themes and parks, there's some those cinematic expressions. They're a new art form. It's something different from these films that are shown normally in theaters, that's all. For them, my concern is losing the screeners to massive theme parks films, or the screens to massive theme park films, which I, again, say they're, they're a new art, art form. Uh, cinema now is changing. We have so many venues. There are so many ways to make films so enjoyable. Fine, go have an event. And it's great to have an event like an amusement park, but don't crowd out Get a, Greta Gertwig and don't crowd out tall, Paul Thomas Anderson and Noah Bumbach and those people just don't in terms of theater. So essentially he's saying, you know, okay, if you like the superhero movies, that's fine, but don't ignore these other quality pieces of cinema. Sure. He, he came off as very elitist in the yes. first quote and but i think this is a situation where it's like two things can kind of be true simultaneously exactly in my opinion where it's like absolutely make room for different types of films that aren't bombastic that aren't bright and colorful like that's a good thing variety is the spice of life but that does not mean that the brightly colored hat is inherently less artful Correct. Yeah, it's I, its own form of art, uh, and I think I don't think we do well when we as artists. Uh, I, 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 like how <laughs> I did that. that. You like we that? as artists. We as artists. <laughs> I love myself in this category. Uh, you know, start to try to exclude other artists. Like that to me is actually anti-art. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because I think you and I actually see completely eye to eye on this. I totally understand what he's saying, and I totally understand people who might not dig superhero movies. I know a lot of people who don't like superhero movies, but to say that they don't deal with human expression and some very important themes, I think means that it shows actually a lack of knowledge of of the genre. You know, you, you look at movies like... Black Panther and Endgame and a lot of these other movies. And, and then you look at, at some of the grittier movies like Logan, um, The Dark Knight. Right. Joker now. Those are dealing with some some big things and I think really qualify as art. And I think that, that if you are missing those themes, you're doing those films a disservice. Yeah, and it, well, and it's fine if it doesn't work for you. As, as we know exactly. on this show, a lot of stuff doesn't work for me that does for Paul and vice versa. And I'll give Paul a lot of crap for 2001 A Space Odyssey being a hot garbage fire of a film. Oh, it's so good. But at the same time, so I'm, I'm like not truly going to sit here and say it can't be considered art. Like right. There's a lot of things that are truly art Although that you I just don't that. like. <laughs> like. I can say it's garbage art. In my opinion, but that's okay. One man's trash is another's treasure. Like I'm fully comfortable with both of those things being true. Well, that I can see one thing and it be absolutely terrible, in my estimation, and that somebody else sees, you know, a beautiful, wonderful thing. In fact, I just watched Toy Story four with my kids, and I think about that with Forky. Oh yeah, when you know he sees when he and Woody talk about the trash, and Woody's like, it's dirty, it's gross, it's dank and dark, and. And like as he's saying all this, Forky's interjecting, warm, cozy, <laughs> like, feels like home. You know, it's like, and then as Woody's explaining what you know how to make a kid feel, it finally clicks with Forky when he's like, "Oh, I'm her trash. What trash is to me, I am to her," and and that gets through to him, and that works, and it's not Woody's art. <laughs> Paul's dropping his stones again. Uh, it's not Woody's art, but it's art. You know. And vice versa. No, I think that that's absolutely 
a perfect way to say it. I think that it's it is. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> no, it, it really is true. I think that that we all have. It's so subjective. All these movies are very, very subjective, and I think that there is an element that you can judge the artistic quality of something on on some some reasonable grounds. But at sure. the same time, what moves us. You know, Jojo Rabbit is a great ex- example of that. There are people who are probably going to look at that and not really like it. There are people who might be put off by it. For me, it moved me like it might be my favorite movie of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Our our ability to appreciate art does not stop something from being art. That's just the, the fact of the matter. Well said. All right. Once. My most... <laughs> Well, it's twice in a row now. I know, I know. Convinced Paul of my perspective on something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we won't get into that. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, for my most least important thing, uh, I have uh, just a little moratorium. uh, Is that the right word here? A little, a little eulogy for Deadspin. Deadspin is dead. Oh, Deadspin's gone. Yeah, Deadspin completely exploded slash imploded. Deadspin and officially spun out dead. <laughs> the title finally, you know. It works. Works out. Um, for those of you who don't know, Deadspin has been around for about a decade plus now. It was uh, a forerunner really in the in the online news space. Right? right. Yeah. And it was primarily sports. But like one of the things that made it as popular as it was and kept it alive all these years, even as other digital publications struggled, was the fact that it would – Dip into politics, it dip into pop culture, it dip into the mundane and the ridiculous. Like it felt like it was truly the 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 editorial work at Deadspin, whether you agreed with it or not. And the, you've seen a lot of this since it died. A lot of people commenting in this regard to say whether you agreed with it or not, whether you even liked it or not, you appreciated that it felt distinctly human. That the editors and that wrote for Deadspin were people who had opinions and who were diverse and would talk about sports and but they would also talk about other things that interested them and so it became a very lifelike blog and in the midst of an internet digital culture that was overrun with spam and clickbait and you know all these tips and tricks to get people to click through to things that weren't of any value and lacked any personality deadspin had a lot of character to it but it was bought it was bought by this company earlier this year that was really trying to turn it into what the rest of like a lot of online journalism became with clickbait and with you know multiple scroll like pages on articles which is a terrible thing like instead of just letting you read everything on one page I want page views so they turn an article into 10 different pages and you know uh, stop like tried to crack down and what finally caused it to implode is they tried to crack down on deadspin editors writing anything other than sports and so the entire editorial staff quit Ooh. because they fired the interim editor-in-chief for defying the stick-to-sports order. And so in the span of five business days, everyone wow. quit. Man. And they, the, the company that owned Deadspin tried to hire a freelancer to fill the gap, and he quit in less than an hour of his first piece publishing because all these people flooded him saying, hey, this is – a really problematic ownership culture and blah blah blah, and he's like, you know what, you're right. You got thank you for letting me know. I'm done, and so now nobody works for Deadspin. Wow, that's really interesting. I I had not heard that, and I think it really does speak to 
the weird space that we're in in internet social media pop culture culture oh. you know i think that that uh it, it, this is a this is a world that i'm still trying to swim in you know professionally i work for websites um and there's a big tension between what's best practice what you know what everybody else is doing quote unquote and and sort of moving your own way and, and sort of doing what you're passionate about. And, and that's a really difficult line to walk. As I know that you know, Jake, right. it's one of those things where trying to do something unique that no one else is doing while still doing it in a way that will draw the eyeballs or whatever that you're trying to draw, um, that's a really difficult space to navigate here. Yeah. And and I think what p- makes Deadspin's demise of particular note is that they were doing it well, according at least according to the numbers that have been coming out over the last week. Is that um, reportedly their the, their distinctive approach was working for them? That the stuff they were writing that wasn't specifically on sports was doing really well and helping the performance of their other content. And so it feels notable in that it feels like a really good example of how this works well. And actually sets you apart in the digital age and amidst all the noise. It seems like that just got blown up. Hopefully it will be, you know, to quote Star Wars, the spark that ignites the rebellion, right? But uh, it, it feels discouraging also to see yet another publication with personality getting snuffed out in favor of, you know, trying to be so rigid to rules of the web that don't even actually exist and aren't what people want. But, you know, there you go. Rest in peace, Deadspin. May we, may we live in interesting times. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what do you think? What do you think about journalism? Where do you, now that we don't have Deadspin, where are we supposed to go read this stuff? Can you tell me? I'm at Jake underscore Roberson if you want to let me know on Twitter. <laughs> and I'm at AC Paul. But until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. to have the heroes too yeah yeah rogers jennings man look at all this stuff you've had and calvin and Hobbes. i've been looking at that for worth it it's i think it's worth it i mean depending on how much you read it it's partially why it's worth it for me is yeah. that you're I a just, huge calvin and Hobbes fan huge, huge, huge calvin huge. and Hobbes fan but also i decided early on to let the kids read them oh yeah out of there yeah because I was like, is it a collector's piece? Is it, you know, should I let them read it and mess it up? And I was like, well, that's what Calvin and Hobbes is for. It's meant to be read and dog-eared. And so it's like, it's beautiful. Yeah. But also, like, they now have the entire collection at their fingertips. Yeah. Which is something like, I kept, you know, I would get all the little books here and there growing up, read it in the newspaper. But now they have the entire collection. And I'm like, that's worth it. Yeah. yeah. So they'll take it to bed and... See, Calvin and Hobbes and Farside were kind of like the the two big cartoons at the time. I think if I was going to, like I love both of them, but I think if I was going to get like a full-blown collection, I'd probably do the Farside first. I did a lot of Farside growing up. My parents had, except most of my Farside was the calendars. Oh, <laughs> we had, we probably had like oh, a, yeah, but a half a dozen. Oh yeah, because they're actually perfect for those They're calendars. perfect for calendars. Yeah. And we we had to have had three to six 
in that range, different far side calendars. And so I just lay there on the couch. Yeah. Oh, speaking of things I've always referenced that you have to see on the shelf. Oh, this is the. F- this, oh, really? This is my infamous 1993 complete wow. movie video guide. So when you read every single page in here, pretty darn close. Like I didn't, I didn't read it front to back truly, but I comb through that thing. I can understand why this would be kind of compulsive. I, I totally can. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, there's no pictures. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no, you know, expository writing. It's literally just. <laughs> so many of these movies are probably terrible. Like I've. I yeah, that's to... why that that book right there is why I watched Silence of the Lambs. Oh my goodness! Because it got five stars, of course. It got it got all the stars. It's like it's a classic. You got to watch it. And so when I had a chance, I was like, because like you can look. I would. I would. There's not that many in there that get right. the full amount of stars. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. Pied Piper of Hamlin that got five stars. I've never, never. I still haven't watched that one. Yeah. 